Maurice is blocked by Bogut. Good recovery by Andrew Bogut. Let's get Rogue. Welcome to Rogue Bows Basketball Series, a big week in basketball all around the world. NBL heating up, getting to planes slash finals starting. NBA heating up, uh, all-star break around the corner. Pro, how goes it? Bogues, it's going good, man. I'm, you know what? I'm tired of just hearing every day about this load management shit. So I've got a proposal that I want to give to you. In the Rogue Bogues podcast, we might be able to solve a, at least the relationship between the consumer and the NBA to maybe soften the blow a little bit. You want to hear it? Okay. I, I would definitely want to hear it. Let's Tick, do it. Ticket insurance. Okay, so <laughs> hear me out. No, because like it's got multiple layers to this thing that I think that people in the league might want to do. So here it is, folks. Okay, let's go. Your ticket's 100 bucks, right? And you're, you're, you live in Dallas and you want to see Giannis. No, you live in Milwaukee. You live somewhere. You come, you're going to go to Dallas. You want to see Giannis play. So 100 bucks. You buy it from wherever you buy it. You buy it from one of the teams, ticket agency. 100 bucks, 20% of your ticket down. All right? It's gotta, you've got to buy this insurance within a week of the game. So you give the, you know, the Mavericks or whoever you buy the ticket from 120 bucks. Mm-hmm. And you pick one player that you want to watch. It's got to be a week before the game. He can't be hurt already, all right? You put 20 bucks down. If you go and Giannis plays, then, again, they keep your 120. You go to the game, blah, blah, blah. If he doesn't play, you get half of your money back. You get, you get half of your money back. It's like insurance. Half of your money back yep. minus the 20%. Half your money back, and they give you like some kind of a voucher for like some food or something like that if the, if you go to a game the next time. So here's the deal: you still go to the game, you still keep your ticket, and you get half your money back if he doesn't play. But it has to be done within a week of the game. Mm-hmm. If it's a load management day, or I, I don't know if you could say if he's hurt, but then again, the teams could just say it's not a load management day, spring his ankle practice. So if he does not play. But it's got to be a week before. You can't just do it the day of. Woj tweets it that this guy's not playing, and then you buy the insurance. It's got to be a week before. So if I'm a, if I'm a, if I'm somebody who's going to the game, at least it cushions the blow a little bit. Because here's the thing, I don't give a fuck about that little kid in Miami that came to see Jimmy Butler. I don't because that shit's <laughs> been happening for thirty fucking years. If I was the Heat, yeah. I would have had Duncan Robinson come out and sign his fucking autograph. And fucking Jimmy Butler, <laughs> Jimmy Butler could stay in and get that fat head coffee or whatever the fuck he drinks. But here's the thing: I think that would be good. And then also, I would I would start gambling, folks. Here's what I, I would start gambling. Bet who's gonna be out on load management? Yes, a week before. <laughs> I would start betting on it. You'll be like Kramer New on market. Seinfeld, folks. I'm telling you. Why not? Like the, the the league is all pro gambling, right? Why wouldn't you? Like if I'm mm-hmm. the league, I'm telling every team to do this insurance deal. At least it gives this way, like, like say, like, and then you could fuck around. If you're the team, you could fuck around with things a little bit. So like, say you got all right, you know you've got this big purse of like, I don't know, say two thousand people bought this insurance at an average of like fifty bucks a piece. So you got a hundred grand in the kick. That's going to be going out, you know, or, or whatever to, you know, you probably have to pay out 175000 if this guy doesn't play on load management tonight. So maybe you say the load management's the next night. 
But like, I think it would really change a little bit about the days that these guys are sitting out for load management days. And it gives a little bit of excitement. Like if I'm going to the game, I'm like rubbing my hands. Come on, Kawhi, don't play you motherfucker. Like give me that my fucking money back. <laughs> you still go to the game and you get half your money back. And if you're the team, like there are going to be some nights where like the guy doesn't sit out and you get like, you know, you get a, you know, I don't know, you get 85 grand of, you know, of money coming in on a certain Extra, play yeah. not playing. And, and then you just keep mm-hmm. it in the pot. So like, at least the consumer could be like, you know what? I'm not totally getting fucked by this. I'm just so tired of hearing it everywhere I go. I just said, you know what? And I thought about this because like, you know, you go like you do trips and stuff. You go to like American Airlines and they ask you if you want the insurance just in case your flight gets fucked up and you get like reimbursed somehow. Like you're not giving them the whole ticket and it doesn't like you have to buy the insurance. You can't just like guy doesn't play and you get your money. You got to buy it and it's got to be a week before. It can't be like that day or two days before. It's got to be a week before. So you got to give it. I'm telling you. Like fucking Vegas is taking action on guys. You get a you know, someone's gonna Tanya Harding a player in the knee so he doesn't play that night. Like I'm telling you, you have a lot of excitement, folks. It's the most. I, look, I think it's a, it's not a bad idea. I think the the only issue you have is you wouldn't want home teams to insure visiting players because that's a slippery slope. Um, you yeah. probably home team insures home team stars. Ah, um, you your example. Because otherwise, you know, <laughs> Dallas is paying out when Giannis doesn't play. It hurts them, oh. right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't mind it. I think, and I would even, I would even go even further. Not the load management. I would just go even, yes. even a freak injury leading, leading up to the game. Yes. So any load, any long term injury, you know. Okay, this yeah. guy's like, let's say a Joe Ingles, for instance. You, you, hey, this guy's part of a rehab. He might not play before you buy the ticket. It says that, right? Um, but if it's if it's a freak thing and it happened two nights before you, the insurance covers you. I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I would pay for it. Um, if, if you want, if you're really gung ho on, I'm going to the game to see this player. Yes. Then at least you still you still feel like yeah, you're not getting completely shafted. It's just one finger in instead of the whole thing. No but, doubt. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I like it, bro. Finally, you brought something to the podcast that is useful and and and, and probably our listeners can indulge and think about. Folks, I haven't done this much homework since like fourth fucking grade, so. <laughs> You know, I'm all in the day. I don't know why. No, I'm I like it, man. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I'm half thinking maybe we shouldn't even run this on the pod and and, and meet with some uh, some some uh, venture capitalists and some angel investors over there in the US and get this fucking thing going. You never know, man. Folks, um, I'm telling pretty you, easy, pretty easy to set up. It, yeah, you know what? It's funny. Like my son does gymnastics like on Saturday, right? A good friend of mine who worked for Sports Illustrator that did, like we would talk about player development all the time. Like freak thing, he lives in the Bay Area. I saw him at the the fucking center that my son goes to this thing on Saturday morning. I told him about this thing just because it was Saturday morning. I'm not fucking thinking, you know, I'm just fucking, you know, we're talking. I said, hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? He goes, that's a great idea. I'm like, back in my head, I'm like, this motherfucker better not run with this shit. I need to put this on the pod on Sunday night. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm, I'm like fucking, I'm like not sleeping last night. I'm fucking all fucked up. But like, I just think it's a decent idea because I'm tired of hearing about incent, like give the players more money if they play. You're not going to do that. And then you can't, you can't take money back if a guy doesn't play like from the player because then they'll sue the fucking team if like, even if the team's not putting pressure whatever. on him, yeah, yeah. So this way, it's out of, it's totally out of it. And the and the and I'm telling you, you'll get a lot of fun with that shit with the gambling. Maybe dabble, maybe dabble could start fucking doing something with it. I'm telling you, maybe, yeah, maybe. And he can up our fucking. The problem with that is there'll be so much 
you know, the anti-gambling laws that we or, or rules we already go through in the NBA where for those not familiar, we have seminars in the NBA that yeah. um, they come and talk to you and say, hey, if one of your friends goes, hey, how's your teammate's hamstring? Maybe he's betting on it. Don't you? You're not supposed to tell him. Like even, you know, there's examples of family members just regular conversations about, hey, how's uh, how's Joe's knee? You think he's going to play in the next couple of games? You know, for betting, right? They tell us, don't don't tell anyone anything. You can't even tell your, your family. That's going to be the problem where, where, the, where guys, you know, one league from a trainer, there'll be a lot of money to make. So that, that'd be a hard one to gamble on. Uh, but I like the insurance. I think even so, just just raise the ticket prices, you know, from 100 to 120, then add on another 20%, you're still making your money back. No one's going to notice the difference. But if the fan feels like they're getting something back, oh, I'm getting a bit of a refund, yes. even though you probably charge them at the at the tail end anyway and they don't notice. No doubt. I think it's a good thing. So There you go. If, if some of these smart uh, listeners that we have pro, maybe maybe you never know. We'll see something coming out uh next year in the NBA but they got to, I agree that the, the the debate around this is not going to end um the NBA is definitely hearing it people are hearing it I think it is frustrating it is sad to see you know if you live in a rural town and, and your one trip for the year is to the nearest NBA city to you like five six hour drive or an hour flight and you've gone to see one player it sucks it's it really does suck and I, I get it from a fan perspective I get it from my kids you know they're they're fans of certain athletes and stuff, and if you paid a ticket to go halfway around the world or even cross state or whatever it is, it's a lot of money for some people. You got to organize it a weekend. You got to, you know, maybe miss school. That that can be demoralizing when you rock up there and, and you see him in a suit. So I, I get it. And as someone who's been injured and, and seen, I had a lot of, uh, you know, in the prime of my career, pro a lot of Australians would come to the, a lot of Australians would travel and do an NBA circuit and come watch my game specifically because I was one of the only Australian players at the time, and there was times I was hurt a lot and I felt really bad, man. I, you know, I'd see Aussies in the crowd. I'd, I'd Hey, oh, we came all the way from XYZ to see you with a sign. And I'd always try to make sure that I signed their poster or threw them one of the Gatorade towels. I just, cause I felt bad. And I'm like, well, sorry, like my, my elbow's broken. What do you want me to do? But it does suck. And you know, it is, it is kind of heart wrenching because some families plan that's their year holiday, man. You know, from Australia, at least it's a two week holiday and they spend 10, 15 grand with the kids and, they don't get to see that player on the court, which yeah. um, which does does suck. So. I do remember like like Dirk's last year, and, and like there'd be like seriously like every other game there'd be some Asian Germans, dude, Asian no Asian or, dude for some reason holding up a sign. I flew ten thousand miles to see Dirk play. Whatever da da da. I said, hey Dirk. That fucking guy, that guy fucking drove eight miles from Plano to fucking see you play. Don't fucking don't 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 dap into that fucking bullshit. But no, like, in all seriousness, though, in all, in all seriousness, like, I think as a professional athlete, you have to understand, even a college athlete, because you, those motherfuckers are getting paid more than the pros these days, like, through, you know, through that national <laughs> yeah. deal. But like, yeah, they, they got to understand that, like, like, it's the consumer in the media run this thing. The players do run it, but without the consumer and without the media putting the word out there. Like you got a certain partnership if you like it or not with the fan. Now you don't like the fan that's fucking telling you fuck off and trying to trying to throw shit at you and all that stuff. But like the the actual fan that comes because a lot of these people aren't the yuppie fucking venture capitalist that fucking makes three million a year. A lot of it's just like a regular blue collar family that 
you know, comes, maybe they could afford one game a year, every other year, whatever. And they're coming to see you. And I think like you have an obligation not to play every night. Like Kobe was like that. He copied that off of MJ told me, he said, he remember hearing about MJ and I think talking to MJ about like, look, it's about that fan that comes to watch you play and you have an obligation to fucking step up, trying to step up every night, not only for your own good and your team's own good, but like that's the entertainment value of it. And we talk and we joke about it all the time, the NBA being the WWF, but it is, it's like, it's total entertainment. It's, that's what it is. And like, you got to keep people happy to a certain degree. You can't just, in my opinion, like if you're going to sit out, you're hurt. I get it. Sit out. But if you're not like, or if even if you are hurt, like you said, throw a Gatorade towel. The problem is though, like you try to sign one thing. There's like fucking 3000 people that want to like that, that want to autograph or whatever. I get that. But like, I think make a, make an effort. I'm not talking about for that 400 pound fat fuck that's trying to sell your shit, you know, sign an autograph in, in Toronto that's going to sell your shit when he's in front of your hotel. I'm talking about the fan that's in your game. That's really, you know, that just wants to, wants to reach out and touch an NBA player, talk to an NBA player, have some type of interaction and watch, you know? So anyway, sorry to, sorry to fuck up the show. Uh, I usually wait a little longer to fuck up the show. So sorry I did that off the bat. But uh, you know. <laughs> No, we like, we like innovation, bro. That's what we're all about. So um, no, I think it's, I think it's good. I think, yeah, we, we definitely got to take care of the fans a little bit more. And, and like you said, with the competitive market of sports and things for our children to spend money on and whatnot, um, the NBA needs to continue to realize that without the consumer, you're, your bottom line ends up yep. going downhill. All right, let's get into it. Yep. Uh, team of the week's pro. Uh, I'll go first. Sure. My team of the week is the Philadelphia 76ers pro. Sure. Um, huge, huge win versus Denver a couple of nights ago. Um, Joel Embiid is surging into MVP conversation. Um, late rally. Uh, I do love recency bias though, pro. Um, it, it really cracks me up because... You know, Embiid's been up and down. He was out for a little bit, um, but he's, he's had a great year, but he's starting to surge. He beats the shit out of potential MVP. Uh, he kicked his ass, Jokic, a couple of, ni- couple of nights ago. And then you've got everyone now, oh, no, Embiid's the MVP. Um, so you got to <laughs> love recency bias. We're, we're, we're 40, 50 games in, and that's all that matters. So you got to take that into account, people. It is, you know, it is a long season, and a lot of things matter. But um, I think Embiid is definitely playing his way into that top three, four for the MVP. This was my team that I picked, silly, um, but looking all right now, I picked them to win the East um, just as my kind of, you know, everyone's going to pick Boston. I'm going to go Philly, try to be a hero. Brooklyn was my dark ho- other dark horse. They're both in the top four, but Philly's surging. Uh, looked ugly early. They were, they were out of the, I think they were out of the 10 at one point early in the season. They weren't even in the playing realms um, early in the season, but they seem to have it together. Um, PJ Tucker's finally starting to play a little bit better for him. James is kind of, I feel like he's really, really pacing himself this season. Um, he's not pressing as much as he has in the past. He seems a bit more settled and happy to defer to Joel. And Joel is just a beast. You know, he's, he's one of a kind in the NBA right now with his size and skill set. And I like everything they're about at the moment. Um, can they do it in the playoffs? Who knows? But they are they are definitely putting together a, a, a good season so far because we were, we were definitely worried about them. They've won seven straight. Um, you know, they're 19 and seven at home. They're 13 and nine on the road. Uh, nine and one in their last ten, so not a lot to be disappointed about. And they they've played their way two and a half games behind the Boston Celtics, who have had a phenomenal year. Pro, that would be my team. Who you got, folks? I've got the Washington Wizards, five in a row, total. Look, they're not a great team, and and that's why I had it. I mean, a team like that winning five in a row is a huge deal. I think those guys are playing well. Um, 
You know, Chris Porzingis is out. You know, Bradley Bale's been banged up. You know, changing rosters. I think they're playing well. Like Daniel Gafford's getting some time. Kyle Kuzma is playing himself into, I wouldn't say a max contract, but I would say somewhere, you know, north of 25 a year. And, you know, those guys are just playing well. It's, it's you know, it's cool to see a team that, like, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say Washington has nothing to play for. I think as we speak, they're 23 and 26, 11th in the East. So they don't have a lot to play for. They're trying, but they're still tied with Chicago for the, uh, for the play-in. So I think that, you know, uh, you know, it's sort of you know, it's sort of a cool deal to see a team that is sort of struggling like that, battling, and you know, have some injury issues sort of battle back. And you know, like I said, Kuzma's having I would say almost a career year, you know, and then you know, having those guys of Beal, Bar- you know, Beal, Kuzma, and Porzingis has been pretty exciting, exciting for them. You know, of course, just trying to put something together. I like Gafford's development; he's been playing well. Uh, Denny Avdija, I think his name is the kid from um, FDL. His, yeah. yeah, oh, there you go, the Israeli kid. He's been playing well, you know, averaging eight and six, you know. So I think, uh, yeah, they've they've been pretty good deal. So that's my team of the week. Yeah, like them. They're 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 solid. Um, they're just so hot and cold. Like they can they can play really well, or they just every now and then they have these stinkers. Um, yeah, and you got to love these. They're 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 in ninth place and they're twenty three and twenty six. So you're probably going to get in with winning thirty. Six thirty-seven games will probably get you in a playing spot, maybe even worse. Um, in, yeah, so they've uh, they've definitely they've been. I think they've been our team of the of the piss week as well. So um, good to see them get one. All right, team of the piss week for me. Uh, I'm going with the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, now Boston escaped. Pro, I was almost excited because Boston escaped with a victory in LA, and it would have. I think it would have been the first time in Roeburg's history that a team went team of the week one week to team of the piss week the following week. I don't think anyone's done that yet. I could be wrong, but listeners let me know. But Boston almost made it and just snuck by with that that win that we'll talk about later, which is a very very controversial win against the Lakers. But I'm going with the Grizzlies. They did beat Indiana today, um, but they they lost five straight before that. And it was more about the teams they lost to. They lost to the LA Lakers, the Phoenix Suns, the Sacramento Kings, the Golden State Warriors, and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, some good teams in there. But this is a team, Pro, that a few of their players have self-proclaimed themselves as a dynasty. Dynasties don't lose five straight to that pool of teams. That's why they're my team of the week. Um, I have worries about the Grizzlies. I think they're a very talented team, very good regular season team. I think that right now they're front runners till they prove otherwise to me. I think in a seven-game series against a tough team that knows how to play, they're going to be in trouble. But they get my team of the week just based on you, you, you label yourself as a dynasty. You're not losing five straight to, to that pool of teams. If that was you know if that was Golden State and you know, maybe maybe the Clippers and Boston and a few others. Okay, but you, you got to win at least two or three of those. So they get my mention. I had, I had the Pelicans on the list. They get a pass because they're heavily injury riddled. They've, they've lost seven straight, eight straight now. Uh, when you include the game today, I believe against um against the Milwaukee Bucks, and uh, they yeah they they're just they're just in a buzzsaw injury wise. Um, they're twenty six and twenty five in your least Pelicans, but I'm, I'm going Memphis solely based on them proclaiming themselves as a dynasty and then losing five straight, bro. Yeah, Bogues, I, I actually did have New Orleans, and, and I'm always for trying to – and again, they, they have been banged up. You know, Ingram just came back. You know, Big Fella's been out for a while. Um, you know – Bison Daniels is out now too. Daniels is out. Like, I, I do expect a little bit of, of like somebody's got to step up. Like I'm always big on challenging roles and stuff. Maybe I probably shouldn't. Maybe I should have gone with Memphis or what have you. But um, eight in a row, I mean, look, you're you're challenging for some things. You're trying to – 
you know, you're trying to sort of you get some stuff done, you know, right now, what are they in fifth bogs? Are they sixth? Where no, they- they've slipped now. They've fell all the way down. They've, uh, they've slipped all the way down to uh, eighth. They were in the fourth, or fourth or fifth before today's game, but they've slipped ah, they to eighth now, twenty six yeah. and twenty five. Yeah, wow. But look, I mean, pro, you look at look at their starting lineup from today. Yeah, this is their starting lineup. You got Jose Alvarado at the point, Herb Jones at the two, uh, Najee Marshall at the three, Trey Murphy at the four, and Valanciunas at the five. You're not winning many games on that. Um, that's you know they've got a bunch of guys out, a bunch of guys hammered. So I give them the pass if they were you know at least half healthy, I'd, I'd be much harder on them, but. That's a, that starting lineup's not doing much in the league. That they wouldn't win fifteen games together if they started a the whole season, bro. Hey, Bogues, I came up with the ticket idea. All right, give me a fucking pass on this one. Can you? Can you please? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. They are banged up. You know, they are banged up. So a little bit of laziness on my part. I probably should have picked somebody else. But um, yeah, I can't wait to watch, talk about that Laker game later. That's that was a pretty fucking yeah. I mean, it's all over the media and all this stuff. I mean, you never get a fucking you never get like a day off from the circus. It's like the Shan the the Shan what the Shannon Sharp one day this the next. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's always in L A too. It's, it's always L A. Yeah, well, LA actually, that game was Boston. That game was in Boston. The the one the other night was uh was in Boston. The, um, Which one? The controversial one. No, I was in LA. That was in LA. I thought it was Boston. You sure? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Can you pick? Pretty pretty sure. Can we check? I could. No, it's check. in Boston. Let's get a fact it's in, check. It's in Boston because I had my, um, you know, I, I felt old as fuck. I, I tried to have my client. I was going to give him some Italian spots to eat in Boston. They were they were going somewhere as a team event, but uh, yeah. Are you sure, bro? Because I think it was the late hey, slate game. I'll put twenty. I would put my ticket insurance in on this fucking bet right now. You might be right. Dabble. You might be right. Dabble. Help me out. <laughs> You're probably right. I, I don't know why I thought it was LA. Yeah. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Fact check. Oh, it doesn't tell. Yeah, you're right. Jeez, I thought nice. yeah, you're right, bro. Well, well done. Killing it today. Killing I don't know why it. I thought it was in LA. I thought it was a. I thought it was a late slate game last night. Um. Anyway, moving on. NBA All Star voting. Uh, <sighs> another year we're going to discuss this bullshit. Um. It's the same old story. Anyway, Daryl Morey's filed a complaint against the. Not filed a complaint. It's put a complaint against the Boston media. Um. Because they were trying to strategically vote to keep Embiid off as an All Star starter. Tim Reynolds has reported that four NBA players voted Chet Holmgren, who has yet to play in an NBA game as an all-star starter. So, you know, you see things like this and, you know, hum- humans are biased. Um, I assume those four players that did that did it as a protest vote because they probably hate most of the guys that are in the all-star game or they're direct competitors or they're the same position or maybe even yeah. teammates, bro. Who knows? Um, but I don't know. Look, I, I, I have this conversation in, in the NBL uh, with some people and I, I think it should just be coaches, man. I really do. I think head coaches should vote post every game they play. So they're going to vote for their top three from the other team. Every game. It's There's, there's instant recency bias for that game. They're going to remember that game. Bang, here's my three votes. I just played Joel Embiid. If I'm Denver Nuggets, Michael Malone, Embiid gets my three votes. This guy gets two, this guy gets one, and then uh, Doc, Doc Rivers votes for three Denver players. You pull it up at the end of the season, someone counts all that shit out from all the games, a lot of games, yes, that's your MVP. There's no bias around who, which agent they're with. There's no bias around who's a media darling and who isn't, who's screwed a beat reporter, because half some of these people that are voting, there's no way they're watching every basketball game. If you're, if you're, if you're a voter in New York, you're not watching Indiana Pacer games. You're not watching Mavericks games. You can't, you can't humanly possible watch every game. Um, 
you know, we all know that it's the good stat sheet. Oh, 35 and 20, even though the guy was, you know, made bad plays at the end of the game and, and, and wasn't playing with, with any system, but he had 35 and 20, that's my MVP. So it's a debate that we have every the last two years of this podcast. A lot of people debate it. It needs to change, in my opinion. I'd get the fans to stop voting. I'm not a fan of it. I know it engages conversation and all that. But it's just a, as you quoted, it's a beauty contest and it's, you know, it's whoever's the most beautiful at the prom generally wins. And um, a lot of times it could, there could be, you know, a lot of things hiding hiding that fact, you know, um, could be 10 layers of makeup. It could be, you know what I mean? Like, so it just, I'm not a huge fan of it. I think it needs to change. And my, my solution for it is I think coaches vote. That's it. Coaches vote. That's it. This, are they going to have bias? Of course. Like, you know, a coach that potentially got fired by a Max guy that he's now coaching against, yes. But I think the room for bias between coaches is much smaller than players for sure and then media as well. So that's my solution, Pro, but I don't know what your thoughts are around it. Folks, wherever you go, it's going to be bullshit. First of all, players should always be out of it. You know, players, because this way you know who's going to take it serious and who's not. And, you know, they've got a lot, you know, they got a lot riding on it. The problem is you have these all-star You've got a lot of bonuses based on all-star stuff. You got salary stuff based on all-star, you know, uh, all-star starter or whatever, all that bullshit. Fan has to be out of it. You know, put the fan vote in there, but it means nothing about who gets selected. It's it's weighted 0%. Because, you know, like we talked about before too, like you have all these days where your, your vote counts times five. You know, you have teams having interns, you know, going on like VPN VPN and fucking, you know, voting for their guys nonstop. It just, you know, there's no great way. Like even with the coach, I do I do agree. Like the coaches are the guys who are watching. Um, I would even put coaches or advanced scouts. I would put advanced scouts over coaches, to be honest, because – I mean, either way, like the head coach or whoever you do, they're going to have agent. Like I know a lot of head coaches have agent bias, you know, and they're going to try to help their, you know, help certain agents guys out. You know, there's always going to be some type of tomfuckery in the whole thing. But I do agree, like take the fan out of it, take the player out of it. I would do coach in media, coach, advanced scout media. I would do something, but I definitely would not do fan and I definitely would not do player. That you know, Chet fucking Holmgren, come on. I mean, you know, <laughs> what, what would you bet on if he's going to play four games in two years? Like, get the fuck out of here. Four people. Oh, it's a protest vote. vote. It's obviously a protest yeah, vote. It's, 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 it's a, no doubt. We're being made to do this. I don't want to do it. Let me just fuck with the system a little bit so there's something for people to talk about. But um, yeah. Yeah, interesting nonetheless. But yeah, that, that debate can go on and on. All right. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Blockgate Pro. You yeah. followed this a little bit? I did. Interesting stuff. So for those that aren't familiar, there was a, a post on Reddit, which can go deep down rabbit holes. Um, the cent- I'm going to read this out. The central thesis of the post is that Jackson is being unfairly awarded extra blocks and steals by the Grizzlies scorekeeper when he plays at home. In 16 games, Jackson has accumulated 66 blocks and 22 steals. In 17 road games, Jackson has blocked almost half that total in 37 shots and racked up only 12 steals, so both almost half. The post listed seven specific plays in which the writer believed that Jackson was unfairly awarded uh, either a block or a steal. Video for all seven can be found here. Um, NBA scorekeepers are not employed by the league. Instead, each team provides scorekeepers at their home arenas. According to Katz, uh, who did this article, uh, the Grizzlies are using the same scorekeeper they did last season. Historically speaking, home arena stat padding is a relatively common and accepted practice. This most often manifests in assists, which are by, f- by far the most ambiguous stat to track. 
<coughs> Chris Paul, the tradition, the traditional <laughs> definition of an assist is a pass directly leading to a made shot, but home scorekeepers tend to be more generous to their own passes than their road counterparts. So this has caused all kinds of issues, bro. Um, it suspended betting on the Defensive Player of the Year award immediately for most bookkeepers because of, of this, of these accusations, not knowing what the NBA is going to do. Um, is it right? Is it not? Further, further from that, Kevin O'Connor, uh, Kevin O'Connor at, at Kevin O'Connor NBA, claims he did a deep dive. He said, mm-hmm. "I watched every block by Jaron Jackson Jr. in slow motion from alternate angles to investigate the NBA Reddit thread, claiming the Grizzlies scorekeeper is posting fraudulent numbers. Only three of his sixty-six home blocks are incorrectly labeled, yep. a completely insignificant amount." Pro, what are your thoughts here, man? Well, well, I mean, I picked crazy. up on this. Yeah, I picked up on this a minute. Right after it was posted, I saw it, I think, this morning. And I did the same thing O'Connor did before O'Connor posted it. I went back and I watched every one. And I'll tell you what, I didn't have the multiple angle deal. I'll just, you know, sort of put it up on video. And um, I just sort of had the regular view of it. And no, I mean, it's total bullshit. First of all, Johnny Dumpfuck, who put that article out, like said something like it was a 69% uh, despair, you know, like it was a 69% difference from home versus away. It really isn't, you know, if you did the numbers. I looked at the blocks. And I'll tell you what, it is tough because a lot of times you got to like slow-mo it because him and Adams a lot of times like try to, you know, try to contest a block. And it's like angle-wise, it's hard to see. But I, I'm I'm with O'Connor. I think I, I scored it like three or four instead of six off. Maybe three or four off, but not much. You know, I did, I went back two, three, four times, you know, and watched every one of those home blocks. And no, nah, I, I think it's pretty, I mean, look, I mean, I, I mean, if I'm the home scorekeeper, you know, yeah, I definitely want to help my guy out, but not to that degree. There's not like, there's no, there's no conspiracy theory going on. I, you know, but it is what it is. It just keeps it going. Like, why not just throw it out there again? There's no accountability. Just say there's a fucking, you know, a fucking conspiracy and let it roll. <laughs> That's what these people are doing. And, um, you know, I did check it out and I, yeah, I didn't really I mean, have any The tape doesn't lie. You, you can go back and check all this shit with the amount of camera yeah. angles they got now and analytics and all those yeah. all those trackers. But it does happen though, um, yeah. but not to, the, not to the extent. Like, you know, I've been on teams where players have gone to – to the stat bench and told, hey, that was my steal. I deflected that first. Ah, yeah. Or hey, or hey, you know, I got the piece of the ball first. That was my rebound. I tipped it to him, you know, like because they, they these guys account. And I know I mentioned Chris Paul in jest. He, he was notorious from that from a few people that have played with him. He would he would know exactly how many assists he had. He'd sub himself out and walk to that statistician and say, You've got me down for eight, I've got 13. You better fix that shit, you know? Um, and then some poor bastard lose, some poor guy that played his three minute backup role loses three ah, assists, you know. Um yeah. Uh, but you know, it's just it is what it is. It comes down to con- contracts have bonuses for per game stats. Um, you know, if you're in a contract year, it helps you. You know, if you can say you're averaging ten and ten rather than ten and nine, makes a big difference. Double double, right? So, it does happen. To this extent, it's overblown. That's Reddit for you. Reddit does go down some rabbit holes at times, and the fact that someone can actually go back and check all this um, pretty much made this move. The fact that betting agencies suspended their betting was pretty fucking hilarious in today's day and age. Um, they shit themselves for a bit, but that'll be back up. And, and look, he's he's in he's in the running as the defensive player of the year. His numbers are outrageous right now. Um, he's averaging over three blocks a game. We'll go through the, the league leaders a, a bit later in the useful useless st- uh, segment, but. Um, Nothing burger there. All right, let's get to this Boston Lakers game. So tied game, I believe, 105. LeBron drives to the hole, gets pretty blatantly hacked. I think we can all agree he got hit. 
It was a, it was a, in fairness to the officials, there was four or five bodies in the vicinity of three feet. It was, it was kind of a scrum uh, of a, of a play. Misses a layup, gets fouled. You know, they don't call it. Buzzer goes, goes to overtime. Boston go on to win. He loses his shit. Um, he loses his shit. You know, he's jumping around, making a big scene, and, and, and rightfully so. You know, it's pretty disappointing, and it would have been a big win for, for the Lakers' season, winning in Boston, that rivalry, and they're not playing well right now. Um, Patrick Beverly then, yeah, <laughs> did you I see did. what he did? I did. Oh, man, he goes, he, he goes and grabs the courtside photographer's camera, so not just the little camera, the camera with the whole scope and everything, and finds the still shot of the foul during the, the overtime break where they're, you know, trying to game plan for the fucking overtime. He takes the camera with this LCD screen to the referee's face, points to it and says, you know, it's a fucking foul. Gets a tech. <laughs> so they come they come out of the huddle, Boston shooting a free throw, so they're down one. Um, continuing on from that is the statement today by the, the referees, Pro. I did. Um, I don't I know if you've read, no, read the I statement from the referees. Oh, look, the refs made a mistake and I'm big for them calling themselves out, but this, 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 is, this is a statement. Um, have you got a bucket handy? Just in case, just in case. All right. Like everyone else, referees make mistakes. We made one at the end of last night's game that is gut-wrenching for, gut-wrenching for us. The play will weigh heavily and cause sleepless nights oh, as wow. we strive to be the best riffs we can be. That's a statement from the uh, social media account of the NBA referees, bro. Um, I, I read that and I was like, wow. someone die? <laughs> You haven't, you haven't, you haven't sleepless nights. Who the fuck wrote this? <laughs> like, I'm all for accountability. I'm all for the refs. I commend them for saying, "Hey, we fucked up. Great, you know, we, we made a mistake." I'm big of leagues finding referees for big mistakes like that, yeah. like a little fine. You're held accountable like players are, but this has gone way over that. Like, like sleepless Ernest, nights. It's gut wrenching. Like, it, please, man, please, let's get on with it. But uh, Ernest Hemingway at NBA.com, if you want to get back to the person who wrote that fucking article. <laughs> For the, you know, for the fucking post. <laughs> no, that's a 19-year-old that's social media influencer that got a job running the NBA referees account. That's who that is. Um, but, yeah, it's just, I mean, what your, I mean, we've been through it. Referees make well, mistakes. Um, they, they blew one. It's more glaring that they blew one against LeBron because usually he gets the favorable whistle. Right. Um, right. And, you know, the Lake, Lakers took a loss. Referees and, totally blew that last night. I totally blew it. They blew the fact that they didn't call the travel on LeBron before he got fouled. Watch the tape. He traveled his ass off. He got, took three steps instead of two. Now, that being said, that's LeBron James. They're not going to call that. He got hacked. I don't care about how many challenges or whatnot. The NBA needs to challenge the last play of any game could be challenged in the, to get the call right. Not the last two minutes where it's going to slow the pace down. The last play of a game, especially one that determines going to overtime, win or lose, definitely it doesn't matter how many challenges you got left. They need to do it where they challenge. They that is reviewed because you got to get that one right. Now you know you don't have to get every one right leading into that. There's going to be human error, no doubt about it. But the last play, in my opinion, Bogues, I think you got to get it right. Like, you know, I don't mind if you miss an out-of-bounds here and there in the flow of the game, but the last play that determines the game should not get fucked up, and you shouldn't lose it for the fact that you don't have a challenge left. I definitely think that the last play, not the last five, not the last three, not the last eight, the last play needs to be reviewable regardless of how many challenges you got left. 
But it's a Van Gundy argument then, Pro. Like, what? why does that play matter more than the one that a three-point shot that was taken away five minutes earlier wrongly? That's true. But I think I, I agree, Bogues. I'm all for getting it right. Like, I'm all getting it, for getting it right. The problem there, Bogues, and we see it, it's bad enough now with only a couple of challenges. Yes. Oh, it slows down like a motherfucker. I totally yeah. – it slows down 100%. Yeah. I, hate, I hate it too. But the point is – the point I'm making is people will argue, well, that, that play five minutes ago – Instead of blowing our lead out to eleven, we only got to no eight, doubt. and they went on a seven-zero run. And it's you know it's a close game, so it's it's human error, man. It's it's, it's pro sports, and that's why people love watching it. If we're gonna if we're gonna make this robotic, just play NBA two K. Like you know, it's it's there's gonna be mistakes. As much as I, I've had my run-ins with referees, I've had my run-ins with with whatever, right? Like it's you got to live with it, and sometimes it goes for you, sometimes it goes against you. You got to go with the, the roll, roll the punches, uh, roll the good times and the bad. And get on with it. I mean, the Lakers, out of all teams, cannot complain about about you know questionable calls late in games. I mean, their their yeah. history is built on that. The Sacramento Kings series, right? Like it's they've had. I think if if, if someone goes back, and I'm sure there's some analytics gurus, check the Lakers calls for and against when when, when it was questionable calls. I'm guessing over fifty percent have gone their way <laughs> in NBA history. It's probably 60, 70, 80 percent, right? Um, but whereas, you know, the poor or like Indiana Pacers or <laughs> Memphis Grizzlies, you know, going the other way. So it's human error. I think you want to have that, 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 that suspenseful environment. And sometimes there is a mistake and it sucks. You can't, you cannot control it to that iota. And I think the NBL figured that out last season with trying to review, you know, they had an earpiece in and, and if it was out of bounds calls that they'd, they'd be in their ear, like actually got that wrong, reverse it real quick, but it was delaying the game. Cause sometimes you, they'd be standing there with their finger on their ear, waiting for the call from the, from the truck. And it's like, fans are like, what the hell's going on? Like, what are we waiting for? So they, they corrected that. And that was a great job by the NBL. NBA has also corrected theirs. Um, last play questionable. Yeah. I, I don't mind it. But then, then the argument is what about the play mm-hmm. before that? The last play for the mm-hmm. other team that got screwed. You know, do you go, you know, maybe last minute, yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Maybe hey, you just folks, go last minute as a whole. It I can, can only reform reviewable. the league one rule at a time. So the ticket deal I got, uh, this one, yeah, this, insurance, the insurance yeah, yeah. that's my deal. Everything else now we got to work out. I can only change the league once at a time. The problem is here's how it's going to happen. They're going to try, they're going to say this Procopio is a fucking genius. Let's give him a half a million dollars, 10 years. Then they're going to listen to the show and be insane. Yeah, the league's a fucking circus, blah, blah, blah. And then they're going to fucking rip that shit right out of my head. Yeah. They'll fine you. They're going to fine you on top of it. Okay, Yeah. All right. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Good job by the rest for admitting a mistake, but uh, Crimea River with the whole statement, that uh, that was not. Not kosher, in my opinion. All right, uh, now I'm, I'm commenting on this based on what I've read. This is nothing from insiders within the club before all my all, all the Warriors fans and, and and journalists from San Fran think I'm getting this from the locker room. But Jordan Poole and Steph Curry, interesting exchange um, a couple of games ago. Uh, Steph was open late in that five six minutes left in that in that fourth quarter, I believe. Um, who was that against? Was it against Memphis? Um, uh, Memphis, it was against. Memphis. Memphis. Not sure. Who, yeah, and uh, Jordan Poole, you know, he's in ISO. Steph just hit some big threes. Steph wanted it back. Jordan Poole, you know, took, took, a, took a tough shot off the dribble. Uh, ISO game, in and out. Steph runs back, throws his mouthpiece in disgust at, at Jordan Poole not passing him the ball. Gets teed up, ejected, throwing a projectile. Um, as uh, what I found interesting was as Steph – as 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 the players were coming out after the game, after the win, Steph waited in the tunnel for everyone to high five everyone. It's kind of what he does. Uh, Jordan Poole threw his mouth guard at Steph, kind of like kind of mockingly, like as a, like a joke, kind of like, hey man, you know, like that. But 
since then I've read that there's a, there's rumors that Steph, you know, doesn't like playing with Jordan Poole. Um, apparently there's another video that surfaced another game with, with Steph, Steph's body language from the bench after a wild pool shot. Look, these things can be overblown. Um, I know the Warriors are, you know, it's a close group that at least when I was there, we'd make fun of each other so much. Like if, I, if I'd made a stupid play, guys on the bench would be tapping each other and laughing. Like, oh, what the hell is he doing? Like laughing, towel over their mouth. That's the norm. So if, for the outside observer, that's pretty normal with the Warriors. Um, I don't think it's 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 what they're making make, making it out to be. But the mouthpiece thing for Steph to react that way, something something you don't see from Steph Curry, right? Like he's usually pretty poker faced, um, especially when it comes to teammates and protecting his team. So I was quite shocked to see that from Steph. Um, so the, there is a bit of frustration. And look, the Jordan Poole's game can be frustrating for that team because he's he does stop the ball a little bit. He does like to get in his bag, and he's a young player, probably deserving of that slowly. But in that system, that's not what they're used to. So it's a push-pull thing. I think Iguodala is obviously doing a great job trying to mentor Paul and make sure that you know he understands that, look, there's times you can get in your bag, but there's also times you got to revert back to Steph and Clay. They, you know, they'll be gone in a couple of years or their roles will be slowly diminishing over the couple of years, and then you, this is all yours. I think Jordan Poole struggles with that a little bit. But um, interesting nonetheless, Pro. Uh, you know, for a team that's as successful as they are, even they have small problems um, with yeah, teammates. Yeah, folks, it is. And, and Jordan Poole is just a – like, he's a tough guy to watch, but he's important to that team. I mean, if there's no Jordan Poole, there's probably no championship last year. You know, he, it's the way he plays. He's a, he's one of those guys that's sort of like watching Kelly Oubre play or, you know, something like that or, or Jordan Clarkson or um, J.R. Smith back in the day. Like, they just jack up shots. They create offense. And you're right. Like, I was listening to um, Frank Isola and Brian Scalabrini, their radio show in, you know, like, Isola was killing it where, like, is a conspiracy. You know, Steph hates playing with him. I think there was some frustration there. But, like, if, I, I'm going to side a little bit with Jordan Poole on this and in the, sen- in the sense that, A, like, he took a bad shot. He took a rough shot. He should have he known to get it a Steph. But, like, it's easy for us to say, you know, watching it or a day later, a week later. And then also, like, for Steph, like, look, the ball's never always – it's not always going to find you, even though it should. But like, and to get better as a player, you got to be able to take a tough shot in a situation once in a while. And, you know, look, frustration is going to be up and down. You know how it is, Bogues, during the NBA season. And they're struggling. They're trying to like get a run right now. And, you know, they're a little bit over 500. And, you know, they're hovering at that point. There's a lot of negative press about them. You know, have they lost it? Should I break the team up? And there is frustration that goes into it. I don't know anything about Golden State as far as who likes pool, who doesn't. We obviously know, you know, Draymond's not the biggest fan, but like, you know, as far as we don't know, but there, I think in that moment it is frustrating. Look, Steph Curry is probably the one of the closest things to Michael Jordan this league that has seen in a long time. You know, as far as he could close out games, he's a winner. Um, he you know, he makes big time plays in the clutch. Um, he's just one of those types of guys and the ball should always find him. Like with MJ and, you know, back in the day, Kobe with the Lakers, you know, in a big shot, someone else isn't taking that shot. It's that player. And I get it. And Steph should feel a certain way and be frustrated, but, um, look, Poole just took a shot. It's a bad shot. He's not wired to play efficient basketball. He's wired to make tough, 
like a, a steady diet of tough shots. Shoots 32% from the three. He's not fucking he's not fucking Ray Allen by any stretch of the imagination. And he's gonna take tough ISO shots. But when he makes them, you know, when you need him in the playoffs, which he did last year, he was pretty big for them, you know, you just gotta take the good with the bad. I think he should watch the film and figure out, okay, in that situation, like you said, Iguodala's mentoring him, like, look, in that situation, look, in the first three quarters, go nuts. Do what you got to do. Fourth quarter, especially late in the game, that motherfucker's a bit, one of the best players of all time. We find him. We find a way to get it to him. You know, we got to get that motherfucker the ball. And that's just it. But I don't think there's any conspiracy or anything. I think he's frustrating to play with. But I don't know. I don't really care, to be honest with you. But uh, it's just one of those things in the NBA. We learn from it. We move on, you know, and uh, that's it. We will see. But uh, they, they had some they had some issues early season with Draymond. They've had some issues last season. They're, they're one of the teams that can kind of put that aside when it becomes money time and, and win games. So interesting to see how that all goes. Uh, there was a trade over the last week. Hachimura has gone to the Lakers for none and three second rounders. I mean... Uh, I struggle to see where Hutchinson is going to fit with the Lakers, with LeBron playing the 3-4 for the most part in AD. But um, nonetheless, a f- decent player coming out of LA for not giving up a whole lot there, Pro. So I think a win-win for both teams in that situation. Yeah, I mean, I think for Washington, obviously they want to move him out. So they give more um, they give more minutes to Gafford. You know, um, him and Kuzma were, you know, Kuzma Kuz, sort of bat, yeah. batting heads. So, yeah. Pozingas. So, him and Kuzma was probably the biggest deal, but they do want to give Minister Gafford at the five to protect Porzingis. So they were probably saying, hey, let's just get yeah. him out, three second rounders. There were some mental health things that he went through last year too. He missed a bunch yeah. of time. And yep. then for the Lakers, mm-hmm. look, like I'm not a big Kendrick Nunn fan. I think Kendrick Nunn is sort of a tunnel vision guy who just jacks up shots. He's like an AU player on steroids, right? He has no basketball IQ. He's tough. He can make shots, but he just jacks up shots, jacks up shots, jacks up shots. For them, you know, it, it sort of clears up a little bit of space to to play, you know, a couple more of their younger guys and give more minutes to guys like, you know, Max Christie, Austin Reeves, and Lonnie Walker. And, you know, Troy Brown could play a little bit of three. I think Hatchamore doesn't really need the ball in his hands. Even though, he, look, he scored 30 in an NBA game this year. He's he's a pretty good player. Um, I agree. The whole LeBron thing sort of messes it up. Troy Brown, you know, Thomas Bryant, Davis coming back. Where are you going to put him? But I think he's a, a young piece that you can develop. You could probably sign to a smaller contract going forward. But he's a guy that I think is a rotation player in the NBA. He's probably a starter in some of those situations. He could he could shoot it a little bit. He's good in the post. He's a good athlete. He runs the floor. He's you know, he's got some good skill. And again, it's a young piece that, you know, he's a young kid that ha- you know, I think has a lot of I think he has a lot of potential to be pretty good. Not a great player, but I think he could be a good player. I mean, he's 20, I think he's 24 years old, if I'm not mistaken. You know, he's, yeah, he's 6'8". He's young, averaging, yeah. what, like, uh, I don't know what he's doing there uh, with the Lakers. But but with Washington, he had a decent decent run there. I think he's okay. He's a good player. Didn't cost him a lot. Didn't cost him any of their... Look, and this is for the Lakers. Look, they're not going to make any huge deals. Even with those... I don't think they're going to make any deals for Zach Levine or somebody like that with their, you know, with their unprotected picks. 
they'll make a couple of these small moves, get marginally better, you know, and just go forward and see what you got. I think that this is a good trade. I would say the Lakers, not won, but they, they did well in this trade. They got a 24-year-old kid that has a little bit of ability that they could continue to develop and move along. They got a couple of good young players there. Um, if LeBron or whatever moves on in a year, two years, you know, you, you got to start bringing in some younger guys that at least you could sort of play and see some type of development and some growth with. So not a bad trade, not a, not a, you know, I don't think we're going to be seeing Hachimura in, in the fucking rafters and his number retired, but I think he'll be a decent player. Did you hear that? Like the Japanese, like the Japanese, um, cause he, he's from Japan originally, uh, was born there, like the Japanese feed for the game, their Laker game, like it crashed. There were so many people trying to watch him play the other night uh, in his, uh, in his opening game at the Lakers. No, I didn't. Yeah. I, I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. Um, you know, Japanese are very proud people. Uh, they're in the NBA player currently, yeah. I believe, from Japan in the NBA. Is it Wada, Wada, Wada Mabi or whatever? Stars, but... the yeah. Oh, yeah, Watanabe, you're right. Sorry. Yep. There you go. But, um, yeah, he's, he's one of their one of their main stars. He was big for him during the Olympics, but um, obviously some mental health issues. He hasn't really established himself in the NBA. Rotation, bad team he was with. So hopefully he gets a little bit of a fresh start, but he is with the traveling circus Lakers. So might not help <laughs> his mental health too much being around that group, I can tell you that much. But um uh, final one, real quick, Miles Turner extension, two years, fifty-eight million. You like it from? Yeah, Indiana? I think so. I think look, they're they're doing okay. In the, the the problem with Indiana, like I said, like I don't think there's a lot of free agents that want to go there, right? Just from Indiana, cold weather, you know, not don't know where they're gonna be. Um, but the thing is, you don't want to start depleting pieces from there either. You know, they've got a good a young player in Benedict um, Matherin. That's how you pronounce it. Like Matherin's their best Matherin, player yeah. right now, like young player. Halliburton, good young player. But like Heald and Turner, which you hear a lot about in trade dead, in trade stuff, I think Turner's a solid player. You get him, look, it's it, you know, it's a little bit of money, but like you didn't way, way overpay for him. He's a solid player, 17 and 8. You know, good guy, you know, been there forever. You know, like I think he's a, a solid piece to have. And yeah, it's a short-term deal. They could probably move him at some point, but like you know, I don't know what they're where they're going. Like Halliburton and Matherin is good, but they can't start depleting pieces because those guys can't do it alone. I think Heald and Turner aren't perfect, just like any other player in the NBA, but they do have a purpose. Heald's a shooter, space spaces the floor. Turner, you know, shop blocker, you know, shop blocker, skilled guy, could score, could rebound a little bit. I like it. You know, like I said, I like I told you before, it's hard to replace these guys. Like cap room's so overrated. If you if you take get rid of him and his say twenty million dollar salary, right? Like you're not getting a twenty million dollar player back. There's not a lot of those guys. I think Turner earns his money, puts up good numbers, he's a solid citizen. I think it's a solid signing for them. It's not long term, it doesn't tie them up. And then they can continue to develop Halliburton, develop you know, continue to develop Matherin, guys like TJ McConnell and Naismith and you know, Brissett, Isaiah Jackson, guys like that, Duarte. You know, and they could just move forward. I think it's decent. What do you think, Boats? Do you like Turner? Yeah. Uh, the, well, the question is, can can you sign a free agent in that position that's better than Turner? If you're the Indiana Pacers, no. <laughs> you know, like like you said, free agents, Indiana's down the bottom of the totem pole as far as, you know, you generally get a pay second tier stars and overpay them to get them in small markets. So if you've got a good established kind of second, third tier star, you keep him because you're not going to get a better player in that position. The only way you move Miles Turner is if you all of a sudden you've drafted someone in his position that's, that's what, that you think, shit, this guy's ceiling is way better than Miles Turner. 
let's move away from Miles and develop this guy, get it. But if you're just going to move it just because, like they were trying to do earlier, it doesn't make sense. So I'm glad they held Pat. They didn't move Heald. They didn't move Turner. Um, they're solid. You know, they've slipped a little bit now. They're down to 11th. They haven't been playing their best ball. But um, I like it. Like you're not going to get a better player in that position. So finally, let's just finish the news, Pro, with some good news for you. Yeah. Um, you're very happy about Bally Sports, right? Can you can you let the listeners know what happened to well, Bally Sports? Well, look, um, we've all known for the last couple of years I haven't been able to watch Mavs games. I'm sure the Mavs are pretty fucking happy about it. But I haven't been able to watch. So it's blacked yeah, out black, in Dallas. Blacked out in Dallas. Wondering. Can't watch it. I used to have it. They used to have it uh, with Fox Sports Southeast, I think it's called. And that's the network. And everybody has it. Every sports, basically every cable package has it well they switched it to this thing called bally's and i don't have bally's none of my cable providers had it i switched to youtube tv which i'm a huge fan of by the way and it doesn't have bally's so uh, i just read the other day and i couldn't wait to text that to you no i mean i I feel sorry that it's going bankrupt uh, in a certain i don't want people to lose their jobs no (laughs) No, you don't my experience (laughs) no i don't i haven't even watched a fucking mass game (laughs) i like literally like unless the president's speaking or it's on some fucking major network i can't watch it so like i can't watch them play and they get blacked out of my nba package which i think that's the biggest bullshit going by the way books like the nba needs to do it again i'm reforming the nba the nba needs to do it where like you could pay an extra 50 bucks on your nba package let that go to the market of that team that's in your home market and let you watch them yeah on the app it's just like (laughs) why do yeah. Makes no sense. You can't watch I, your I local pay team. An extra fifty bucks. That's what people do. <laughs> Fucking morons like me. That's what we do. Like we, we just want get a VPN, bro. That's a like good, I have a, a VPN, but it always says it's tra- like it never, never be able to do it. I'm a fucking moron. I get it. But like, charge somebody an extra fifty. People will pay it. I guarantee it. Let it go to the market. Let mm. it go. So no, like the sponsors or whatever, like aren't losing total revenue on it. And let me watch it on the app. Forget about having to go back to cable and do this and that. But yeah, they're going under. It's 2023. Going under. So <laughs> they've got like 19 channels, 19 um, areas that they cover, like Minnesota, different parts of the country, like, like Fox Sports or whatever, I guess. And they're going bankrupt. I don't know why they're, you know, their business plan. I have no idea. Maybe they should have asked me about the ticket insurance deal. They could have fucking made a billion, but they didn't. So Valley's fucked me for two years and now they're uh, they're going bankrupt. I don't know what the Mavs and some other people are going to do. Um, I don't know if they're just going to get bought out and it's still going to be Bally's and somebody's going to buy them on 20 cents of the dollar Wall Street's Gordon Gecko style. have no idea. But uh, yeah, um, I'm pretty excited about the, you know, hopefully the fact that they'll switch networks and I could actually watch a fucking Mavs game before Luca turns 40, uh, 72 years old. And I'm, I don't often do this, bro, but I'm going to quote your text message. Oh, nice. uh, so Bally Sports going bankrupt, <laughs> going bankrupt. <laughs> Finally, I get justice for not being able to watch Mavs games. <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Love it. Uh, I had a fucking laugh. So okay, I don't usually do that, but no, well well worthwhile. All right, Aussie watch real quick. Not, not a lot of news, a lot of injuries. Uh, Dally DMPs didn't really play much. Patty back in the rotation for two games, 6.5 points, 2.5 assists. So a little bit in there now, 10, 15 minutes. We'll see if that stays. I doubt it. Once KD comes back, I think he's back on the pine. Josh Green still injured. Dyson Daniels injured. Hurt his ankle. He's out now, uh, which hurts their depth. 
Jock Landale, interesting one. He had a good week, 8.5 points, points-wise at least, uh, but 1.5 rebounds. The rebounds are down, 1.5 assists. But back in the doghouse with Monty Williams, a DMP uh, against his former club, the Spurs. So a little frustrating for Jock. He's had a really good month, I believe, and randomly, DNP for you. Josh Giddy. Now, if this was a week that Josh Giddy wouldn't get the Rogue Bogues Aussie of the week, it would have been this week. And his numbers are still great. But you'd think that someone else could have jumped in. Yeah, he was 15.5 points, 7 rebounds, 4.5 assists. Now, they're still great numbers, but compared to what he's been doing, you probably thought someone could sneak him. And you'd be looking at Ben Simmons. You'd be like, this would probably be a week. You can probably steal it off Giddy. Nope. Uh, ben Simmons, I think, had his worst week of the season. Six points, three rebounds, six assists a week for the week. Um, just I, I, we'll go into this when I finish these numbers off. We'll get back to it, but uh, not looking good. Um, Fireball, really good week scoring-wise, six points a game, two rebounds and two steals a game. So he had a pretty solid week for his numbers. Usually he's in the ones. Uh, Joe Ingles, solid once again, just finished up a game against New Orleans. 6.5 points, 2.5 assists, two rebounds, 1.2 steals, and eight for 16 from three this week. So shooting the piss out of the ball. Jack White, DNPs, um, floating back and forth between the G League stuff. So, But Ben Simmons, bro, um, there's a lot of talk about it. He, he just he, he looks like he's he's just, he's just got a mental block. He just does not want to shoot the ball. It all comes down, and we've said it numerous times, the free throws, but for Brooklyn to, to salvage this season, they, they need him to be at least a, a 25-minute solid guy. Now, I think it's 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 pretty much solidified. He's not going to play late in games. They just don't go to him late in games. Even with the injuries they got, KD out, they're not playing him. They're playing Royce at the four, um, Claxton at the five, and, and then they're going with you know a guard-heavy lineup. Um, he looks like he's out of the rotation. Late game, he still plays his 20 to 25, but besides obvious pro, he's got to get his free throws down. I mean, how do you salvage this? Folks, I'm going to do something that no NBA team has ever you know, done, thought about. I'm actually going to have an honest conversation with them. No bullshit, no media, no social media bullshit, no anything. We're going to sit down and we're going to talk and we're going to say, Ben, look, I don't know what you want out of your career. I don't know if you, you know, whatever you want. Like we're trying to support you whatever you need, but we need you to shoot the ball. We're going to call up four ATOs a game, and we're going to go to you. And if you pass the fucking ball up, we're going to tell our players to get out of the way in the pass and let it roll to the other team. We are, gonna, we are calling plays for you to shoot the ball four times a game from three. All right? You need to shoot the ball. And if you can't, then you're not going to play in the fourth quarter. That's it. That's it. We're supporting you right now. We want you to do this. But, like, you got to meet us halfway. You got to attempt some shot. Like, that's just it. If, like, in the quicker you start missing, the, the better it's going to be for you. Like, the better it's going to be for you to get over this and be like, okay, I missed a few. It's okay, yeah, it's okay to, to miss. miss. Like, in development, yeah. it's development 101. Mm. But t- like it's development one on one. You say, look, we're gonna work on something. Look, you've worked on it already. You've done the the TikToks with the fucking wife beater on, making eighteen shots in a row and open run. We get that. That's been fucking done before. All right, you do it every summer. It's fucking bullshit. Whatever. You've done it. So you've worked on it. You can make shots in pregame. You make shots and workouts. You make shots. Okay, so that's step one. All right. 
I know, you know, most NBA player development guys were absent the, the day they taught player development and player development school. So I'm going to give you a little free lesson. That's your first thing. You work on it, you rep it out, you correct it, what have you. The second thing is now we need you in scrimmages, you know, to attempt them. Like 50% of the shots that are open, you need to take. Not make, but take. And then as we move on, it's 75 to 100, whatever, whatever. Then in games, same thing. Like you need to take 50% of your wide open shots. I don't give a fuck if you hit the side of the backboard, the nacho guy. You know, I don't give a fuck who you met, how, like who, how good or bad that looks. But if you don't take them, you're like, get them out of your system. So now you can start moving on. You can start making one, then making two, and you get your confidence. That's what I don't understand. Like, that's confidence. You got to build your confidence up, you know? And I think it's because he's got a cocoon around him. I think for his whole life, you know, and most players are like that. Well, most big time players are like this. They got a cocoon of player people, either family, boy, you know, his boys, whatever, whatever, that didn't allow him to talk to anybody, work with anybody. Treated him like a superstar rock star. And like now he, you know, like it's all like a house of cards. It's like fake. The, the confidence is fake. And now he's got to deal with some adversity. He doesn't know how to do it. So you sit him down, Bogues, and you say, look, you've repped it out. You can make shots. Now it's time to start taking them. Take them. 50%. We're going to give you a number every game. And we're going to say, look, you, you took 40% today. You took 50%. And let's get 50% or more. And then I don't care if you make them. I don't care if you miss them. But if you really want to be a player, if we start doing it now, by the time playoffs come, you'll start making them at a decent clip. Even if you make them at 28%, you'll be fine. That's 32% better than you've been shooting them in the last two years anyway. So it doesn't fucking matter. So let's just get to that. But unless you start taking them, we're going to call it four times a game. That's what I tell people all the time. Head coaches that ask me, like, hey, Mike, this guy doesn't take shots. What do I do? I said, get your ass in the fucking huddle, and you call three to four ATOs a game out of a timeout. Everybody knows that he's going to take the shot, and you're calling plays for him. you got to call plays. And if he passes the fucking ball, get out of the way. Let the fucking other team steal it. And then that's it. Seriously, that's what I would do now, minus the let the other team steal a deal. Folks, in my opinion, that's the only way it works. He's got to take at least half of the shots open. And I'm looking at his numbers, pro. His his field goal attempts have declined every year of his career. Um, he he uh, was in Philly was pretty close. His first season, which was his rookie year, 12.3 attempts uh, at 55%. Um, following a season, 12.2 attempts at 57%. Following a season, 11.4. So almost one shot down after that at 58%. Then dropped to 10.1. Um, his last season in Philly and. Right now, he's at 5.9 attempts. Um, the minutes play a bit of a factor. He's only down five minutes from his peak or six minutes from his peak. So it's not like he's playing half a minute. I think we've discussed it at length. It comes down to his free throws. I think he's just – he's he's. I've been there. I, I, I have been through this for about a three-year span in my in, in three or four years where I was like not confident from the line. Um, and it's a bad place to be. It's a bad place to be. It is, and and you got to work through it. And and thank thankfully, the one thing that I really helped me, like my last three years of being a pro, I felt I wasn't no long. I was no longer kind of on a low confidence going to the line, and I finally worked my way out of it. If I would have retired 
not working my way out of that, it would have bothered me for my whole career, right? Like I would have been like, fuck, like what the like what was I doing? It was just you know, what I was overthinking it, yeah. right? But the, the later later stages, um, I just felt much better. I changed my shot a little bit. I put a bit more time in, but. It was just a mental thing for me. Um, post elbow injury, getting hacker shacked for a couple of seasons, messed with me, and 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 it messed me up for a, a nice span. He's gone through that. He does not want to get to the line. His free throw attempts from his rookie year, basically averaged five free throw attempts a, uh, a season. His first four years, he's at one point five right now, um, at forty five percent. He doesn't want to get to the line. That's what it's come down to. So yes, you can call plays for him. The problem is, if you watch tape no now, a lot of his Back shots down. are either fadeaway hooks. Or floaters before someone gets even close to him to put contact on him. So it comes down to that free throw thing. I think you know maybe maybe you make him shoot technical fouls. Maybe you you know really try to get him. Hey man, like it doesn't matter. Like if you if you're not being aggressive, you, there's still a positive. Even if you miss two free throws, there's still positives, especially early in the game. You're attacking the paint. The big guy might get two fouls. You know, an Embiid might you might draw a foul on Embiid or two. Might that might affect the game long. And and you're being aggressive. And if you go 0 for 4, you go 0 for 4. Let us adjust if we need to take you out late in game. For, don't don't you play into that. And I think that's the biggest thing for him. It's, a, it's coming down to the free throws. He does not want to get fouled. And his whole game is predicated on paint touches. Like, that's the unfortunate reality. If this was... You remember Nick Anderson, pro? Nick Anderson, yeah. Played at Illinois, played for the Orlando Magic. Nick, Nick Anderson, yeah. So played, played for the Atlanta Magic. Here's a story for some people. He was a knockdown three-point shooter, right? Um, mm-hmm. He missed yeah. some free throws, I believe, against the Bulls, was it? In that, in that second the yeah. second year. MJ missed three in back. a row or some of that. Missed some big free throws. No, no, it was against Houston. Sorry, it was in the finals. They played Houston. Yeah, he missed some big free he, he, Yeah, he talks he talks about it. Um, and he said that, that that screwed his whole his whole mental psyche was fucked after that from a free throw line. He did not want to get to the line, right? He still got away with playing minutes because his three ball was still so good, right? So you can still you can get away with you know being a Nick Anderson. You can shoot forty percent from the free throw line. If you're shooting forty from the three, you can hide in the corner and space floors. You're not going to handle the ball as much. You can get away. Ben can't get away with that. His whole game's predicated on paint touches. So all of a sudden you play him off the ball and ask him to go to the dunker or just set screens. Like you might as well put Claxton out there. And that's that's I think the elephant in the room. They you know he can't just be a a role playing spot up shooter that doesn't get fouled and hide that fact because he doesn't have a jumper either. So it's 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 tough. He's in a tough spot. Like I've said from day dot with this, it's it's more in in a in a, in a psych room, a psych office with a with a someone that can advise him, a sports psych, than it is reps at the free throw line. In my opinion, um, and that's what he's got to work out. And you hate you hate to see it. Like you know, people knock him, whatever. Like. You love him or you hate him, the national team thing. I've been critical at times of him, no doubt. But I also understand he's in a tough spot. He's he's in he's in a mental purgatory right now. And, you know, then, then all of a sudden he has that game against Philly where he doesn't play well, he's not shooting the ball, he's airballing, and then he's injured. You know, so then it's like, are you are you really hurt? Is people asking those questions? So tough spot to be. I hope he works his way out of it. But um yeah. he needs a guy, he needs somebody like one person. Like the problem with the NBA, and you know this, Bogues, like when somebody's struggling or whatever, they got 28 people that are trying to talk him out of it, like talk him through it, right? And he needs to listen to one person that knows what the fuck they're doing. Like a sports psych, I totally agree, you know, or or just a coach, but just one person, one person like talks him through it, talks it to him on the bench, talks it to him in practice, talks like talk to him and deal and, and help him through it. 
But I agree. I think the free throw, I'm not all in on threes. I, I think the three is the third most valuable shot you could have in your in your repertoire. I think it's I think it's you know, you gotta be able to finish at the paint in the paint at the rim at sixty-five percent. And I think you need to make seventy-five to eighty percent of your free throws. I think layups and uh, free throws and layups are the most valuable. Free throw is more valuable than a layup because of the fact that if you shoot eighty percent, you're coming back with one point six on the average. You know, uh, um, if you go on the line twice, two shots. But like the three is worth one point two, layups worth one point three on average, and free throw if you shoot eighty is worth one point six. I think he needs his free throw. The threes, yeah, like I didn't know what your question was, Bogues, if it was just shooting in general threes. Like, yeah, I agree. Like I, I, I watch film of him today. All he does is like dunker, screen roll, back guys down from the wing, three-point line, you know, stuff like that, transition, offensive rebound. You know, he'll p- pick, pop, catch, drive. Um, and he just sort of cuts and – I don't know, Bogues. Like, look, I don't know what he wants. We don't know. We don't. We're not with him every day. I mean, you know, like, I would say I don't know him. You know him more than I do because it's the Australian thing. But I spent some time with him when he was at LSU, going to LSU from Nike. Uh, he was there for about a week. And you could tell he was very, very introverted. And he was very sheltered. Sort of like Trey Youngish a little bit. And, you know, and then I, I spent some time with him when he was in China and like he has family around him, so, you know, surrounds him at all times. And he's very like LeBronish like that, where he's got his people and that's it. And early on in his career anyway. And, uh, you know, it's a tough thing. It's really tough. And like you said, it's a it's a mental thing more than anything. Um, yeah, we wish him good luck. I mean, I know we're critical of him. But, you know, we don't know what he's going through. We don't know his psyche. We don't know any of that. I don't know it, at least. You know, if if I'm not with him every day, it's hard for me to really comment on it. I'm just going from the outside looking in. And, uh, yeah, it's a tough deal, a tough thing to go through for sure. Just hope the family, friends, agents, hangers-on, best friends are all not just cashing that check and remaining quiet. I hope they're, um, you know, at least earning some of that money yes, that they're uh, <laughs> taking off the young fella. So I know he has a decent-sized entourage and – Hope they're not just appeasing him and saying that it's someone else's fault and hopefully they can help him through these tough times. All right, uh, real quick, Dabble. Dabble is betting meets social media. As you know, if you listen to this podcast, we're big supporters of Dabble and Dabble are big supporters of us. You can follow your friends and mates, talk to the experts, trending tipsters, scroll through trending bets and copy them all in one tap. Get alerts when your mates and expert tipsters place bets. More importantly, you can follow me, Andrew Burger, all one word. Go on, download the app, have a Dabble Double socially, and you must remember to gamble responsibly. NBL News Pro, a um, little bit of a controversy here, mm-hmm. Pro. Uh, it was uh, it was the rainbow round this this week, Pro, um, in the NBL, uh, and there, there there was a team. You know, there was there was a few players that uh, basically they, they had the uh, rainbow logo on the court. Mm-hmm. Now the NBL did it in conjunction with Champion. They made the Champion logo a rainbow color um, instead of the whole uniform, so just the Champion logo. There were some players that opted out of wearing the jersey with the rainbow uh, logo, uh, so much so that uh, you know there was a club in Kansas Taipans that um, decided that the whole t- there was a few players that didn't want to wear it, so the whole team said they won't. And I understand the reasoning to that. Uh, we had a similar circumstance here Pro, which you wouldn't be aware of, rugby league team did the same thing. Some players didn't want to wear it. Those players got absolutely ostracized publicly. Uh, they got destroyed, um, called homophobic, bigots, 
X, Y, Z. My position on this is, is I'm big on choice. And I think you need to have a choice for these things. Now, people are going to say, well, what's a big deal? It's just a rainbow. Well, to some people, that is a big deal. Some people are religious. We've got players of Islamic faith, players of Christian faith. I think we have maybe even a Mormon or two in the league. We've got what players that, you know, adhere to a certain faith and religion. If you want to have the argument about whether that's right or wrong, that's separate. My thing is, I think all players should have a choice. They should not be forced to wear something that they don't want to wear. And I think, you know, if this is a situation where someone's being discriminated against because of their sexuality within a team or a league, I'm all for you. If, if, if you're a certain, you know, sexuality and you can't go into this place or you can't, I'm right there with you. I think that's bullshit. I judge a person as a human being. But I get it's called a celebration and whatnot. We're at a point now that if you don't actually celebrate it, you're, you're labeled as a bigot and, and whatnot. And I think that's a slippery slope. So um, I'm big on choice. I think the player should have their choice. I'm very disappointed with the way this was handled um, within the league for the most part. And I know for a fact, pro, there was more players than just the Kansas Taipans players that um, were uncomfortable for whatever reason. That's their business, their choice once again. Uh, but they were too scared to, I guess, you know, make any any, any ripples, right? Um, I will call out the MBLPA or the ABA, the, the Basketball Association. I think this has been a massive fail for them. Why? Um, because they need to represent every player and any player. Um, whether that's a minority, whether it's two players, whether it's three players, they need to represent everybody and protect everybody equally. Yeah. Um, we live in a day and age, pro, where yeah. people disagree on everything, right? There's always, if you have a group of 100 people, mm-hmm. they and fight I say you the grass it. is green, there's going to be five or six it. people, maybe 10 that say it's blue. You got to respect that belief. Yes. Yeah, but, but, you, but you, even outside of that, you have to respect that people have a different opinion. And my thing with, you know, the rainbow round is if people don't want to do it, you should not force them to adhere. That's not right. And to call those people homophobes for not, not, not doing what was forced is wrong. That is not inclusive and that is not inclusion. Inclusion, unfortunately, for the people out there that want to use that hashtag, that's inclusion of beliefs and thoughts too. Whether right or wrong, that's a separate debate. Um, and I don't want to get too deep into this because of the basketball podcast, but I think it was very poorly handled. I think the Players Association has a lot to, to, to answer for. If I was a player that was, you know, kind of uncomfortable doing it, um, do, wearing it, I would not pay my Players Association fees for this season because you you failed me. You did not protect me or, or help me or at least give me a pathway or a resolution. It was just kind of thought that if we, you know, if the league says we're doing this, which the league said this is what we're doing, Play association said, "Yep, the league's doing this." It was kind of like, "You better, you better do it," because the ramifications. We saw that with the rugby league. That was the. That's what I feel like was the thought process. Now, people are going to say, "Oh, what's the big deal? It's a rainbow." Like I said, it's, you got to have the freedom of choice, in my opinion, in today's world, because people have different beliefs. Um, this is also a league that has a heavy, uh, you know, migrant population that play in it who have different beliefs than the average Australian or the average American. There's a lot of a lot of kids from different parts of the world that, pl- that come through and play in the NBA and come through development programs too. So a year ago, we're celebrating that. But unfortunately for that, now those those those, those same people have probably different beliefs. So you, you, it, it, it's, it's, if you want to be inclusive, you got to have inclusive opinion and thought pro. And just wanted to address that real quick. I don't know what your thoughts are on it. 
but um, it, it definitely uh, made the news here, and you know, journalists jumping all over it, trying to trying to divide people by putting out all these articles about oh, who, who didn't wear the jersey, who didn't wear the jersey, oh, well, how could you not do that, you know? And I thought it was pretty poor. Yeah, the problem is in society, Bogues, like like there's not one. A lot of things aren't black and white. There's a lot of gray in it, right? And it's it's a problem because of the fact that like you have an opinion, I have an opinion, we all have opinions on how the world should run, how people should see the world. And we're always going to, there's just too many people in the world that like not for not that there like shouldn't be arguments. There's going to be arguments and we're going to have disagreements. And I think that like, I think you, I think everyone should have the right to choose in these situations. And if, and it's, it's no disrespect. It's got nothing to do with that. You're not speaking out. You're not hate speech in it. You're just saying, look, it's just not in my views. I, this is where I, this is on this subject. This is where, this is where I sort of, this is, this is what I do on this subject. And this is how I feel. And you should respect that. Do you have to agree with it? No, but you should respect somebody's, you know, has the ability to choose. I think they're all hypocrites. You know, because like they're all about inclusion, but if you're not, if you don't like think a certain way, they're going to bash you for it. So wait, what are we doing here? You know, like you want inclusion, but yet like you're not respecting someone else's point of view. You have your own points of view that you're strong on. Everybody thinks that their cause is the most important, you know, and that's just for goes for everybody. And it's a slippery slope. Just let look, I, I agree. I should I think they should have a choice to wear it or not wear it. If they don't want to wear it, they don't want to wear it. Now, if they have hate speech against it, that's a completely different ballgame. But if they're just going to say, hey, thanks, but no thanks, I'm just I'm going to choose not to do it, you know, and that's it. Like, I remember Problem with that, uh, Pro, is when you do that, you're ostracizing yourself. And that's what I think is the, is the comments on social media towards those players that they were guessing who it was or towards the team. That's a problem because then you're ostracizing. Yeah two or three guys on each team that don't want to do it and they get labeled as homophobic and bigoted and, you know, you're back in the 60s or, you know, or 40s or 1900s or you hate, you, you don't like X, Y, Z people. And I don't think, I don't think it's that. I think it's, no. you know, I think it's, they don't want to be part of the that celebration or they don't, you know, for whatever reason, that's their right. Like it's that's like, I, right. I, I might not agree with it. You might not agree with it, but I agree that they have the right to, to, to if, if that's what they stand for because of their religious reasons or their, that's their family kind of ethos, whatever it is, that's their right. And that's, that's where the inclusion thing, like you said, goes all of a sudden it's not inclusive. All of a sudden we're going to, we're going to bully you into submission that you must celebrate this. Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I think it's a slippery slope. I think it's very dangerous for society in my opinion. Yeah. I'm with you on that one, folks. You know, I, yeah, I'm with you on that for sure. A thousand percent. All right, moving on to the good news, of course. Um, the league is shaping up. Uh, planes looking like the, there's, there's a few teams. So Southeast Melbourne lost last night to Sydney Kings. They're in an interesting position, Pro. So they they have finished their season with a round remaining. They have no more games left. They don't play next week because they had to make up a game because of, I think, New Zealand's travel schedule when they had a, had a COVID issue. So they're in an interesting position. They finished 15 and 13. They're currently in sixth. Um, Perth's in fifth. Tasmania is in fourth. It looks as though it's Sydney first, most likely. Like I think Cairns need to win both games by 50. We need to lose the last couple of games by 50 to, to slip to second. So I think we're pretty much first. Cairns and New Zealand, there's still some room to move between second and third. I think the top three is pretty much set. That bottom three is interesting because Southeast Melbourne have no games left. They literally have to watch and hope that things go their way. For the most part, they're looking okay. But if Melbourne 
Melbourne have one game left against Adelaide, who really can't make it. They have like a zero point whatever chance of making it. If Melbourne smash Adelaide and get a great percentage, they could jump um, Southeast Melbourne. So there is a chance there. Um, Perth could still, you know, theoretically fall. Uh, there's a lot to go, and um, it, it's it's. I wasn't a huge fan. I'm going to be honest. I wasn't a huge fan of a top six plane, um, just because I think it, you know, in a ten team league, it can kind of dilute dilute things a little bit, but. I'll give the NBL credit. I think this has worked really well. It's created some excitement and some buzz. Next week's going to be great with the playing games. Um, a lot of momentum there. So uh, really, really good for the NBL having a season come down to the wire like this. Um, a few other things to note. I've, I've, I hope this isn't true. I, I posted it today. Hearing Keanu Pinder's in some trouble. It could be out for the season. MVP candidate for the Cairns Taipans. You never want to see an injury, even as a Kings, uh, being involved with the Kings, I want to play against the best. I want our team to play against the best. I want the league's best players to be out there, even though it helps our club if he's out. I want him to play. Ryan broke off the same, bro. I think he's done his groin again. He oh, could be fuck. potentially out for the season as well. So I think it's, I'm not sure if it's the same one, but I know mm-hmm. he did his groin earlier in the season. He was in tears after the game last round. Uh, didn't look good, so he he might be out as well. So you always want, you know, as you got to separate the better betterment of the league is having the best players out there. And I hate seeing teams like the Kansas Taipans who have such a great season on the floor lose Pinder. I hope I'm wrong about that news, but the mail's pretty good that he's he's done some damage and and um and could be out for a while, pro. But uh getting exciting and should be all wrapped up by by March sometime. So hopefully, you know, that time I have another championship ring and a lot of pissed off NBL fans that aren't Kings fans. Uh it's always good. All right, stats, useful or useless, pro. Um, now, at the Kings game last night, a young fella came up to me in the crowd, I signed his basketball card, and he, you know what he said to me, pro? My favorite segment on Rogue Bows is the useful or useless stats segment. So we appreciate that young fella. Um, he was probably about 12 or 13 years old. I, I apologize to his mother for us swearing on the <laughs> podcast too much. <laughs> she said it's all part of the theater. That's fine. Love it. That's a great parent. See, she understands the... There's serious swearing, and then there's us, us two idiots swearing. There's a difference, you know, the context. So I, I like that mothering, but um, we don't concern, don't swearing too much for our children. But every now and then, well, not every now and then for pro, but for me, every now and then we let one slip. So appreciate the support there, young fella. We'll get into this group of stats. All right, pro, most points per minute in a single season. NBA history, pro, who do you think number one would be? I'll give you a guess. I guess uh, Will Chamberlain. Bang, Will Chamberlain, 1.04. Nice. Love it. Yeah. Uh, second, James Harden, 2019 season, 0.98. Uh, number two, number three is Giannis. Uh, and number four, Joel Embiid, 0.96. So right in the running all time for points per minute, which is pretty impressive. We know Embiid sometimes does have some load management stuff, not as much the last couple of seasons, but useful, useless on that one, pro. That's pretty useful. I think that, uh, you know, guys like Will Chamberlain and, you know, Harden and guys like that. You know, they they're the best scorers in the league history as far as like they're they just they put up ma- you know, massive numbers. You know, and, and they didn't do it as long they didn't do it I don't think they did it as long as like LeBron and playing twenty years, twenty plus. So pretty interesting stuff. I think I think it's useful for sure. What, what do you think, Bogues? Useful. Yeah, useful. Anything that's all time, you may crack the top five of all time. See, We'll see if he finishes that way. I am shocked that Harden's on that list because Harden was a really heavy minute player, especially in that Houston era. So for him to be in that, it was pretty impressive actually. Um, I thought he'd be a bit lower just because he played so many minutes when you when you, when you do the math. But um, yeah, whenever you're on an all-time list, 
That's always good. All right, Damian Lillard the other night, 60 points, seven rebounds, eight assists, 89.8, true shooting percentage pro. Um, but it is the most efficient 60-point game in NBA history pro. Useful, useless. Uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I, would say, I would say useless. Like, I mean, he scored 60 points, and it was, you know, he didn't take that many shots to get there. Um, I... Yeah, I would say useless. I don't know. Bogues, what do you think? Yeah, I think so. We're probably going to look into how many 60-point games they've been first because I reckon that's the kicker when when you look at these stats. This is all we have our segment. There's always in the wording, most efficient 60-point game in NBA history. So I assume there'd be a 50-pointer. Like I think Shaq had one where he was like shooting 80 80 or 90%, wasn't he? So um, it's all in the wording. I think think the stat line's impressive and Lillard done a fantastic job. But I don't think I don't think there's a sample size to compare to, which would be my point. So I'll go useless as far as that goes. Highest point scorer in the NBA pro, not including we take out free throws and three point field goals made. So no free throws. So it's basically just two point shots. Who would be the highest point scorer in the NBA? Uh, give me a second, Bogues. Um, no, th- no threes or free throws. No threes or free throws. Let me see, Bogues. Um, Stop looking it up, man. Top of your head shit. Top of my head shit? You're talking about total... All right, I would say... There's an obvious one generally that you'd think would be one when you think about two-point oh, field goals, man. Two-point field goals, you, you always think like Giannis and DeRozan, but I'm going to exactly. say... Exactly, they're in there. They're I'm in there. Say, That's their two and four, respectively. I'm going to say SGA. Did you look that shit up? Yes, I did in my database, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he attempted seven. I never would have guessed that, dude. Yeah, me neither. I, I never would have guessed that. Definitely not. I, I never said, would have guessed that. That's why I, that's, yeah. that's why I said uh, SGA one, DeMar two, bam, three, Giannis yeah. four. But SGA, I never would have guessed that. I, th- I would have thought he got to the line more just the way he plays, but he's a he gets in the lane, he's got a floater, he's got an up and under, and he's got the mid-range. But he's um, good. Yeah. I never would have guessed that. So nah, I wouldn't have useful, guessed useless. Uh, useful. I'm, I'm all for the two-point shot, folks. Yeah, I'm all for the two-point shot. <laughs> no, I don't know. Like, it's it's a good stat. It's I guess it's useful. It's not, I, I would say it's like I'm on the fence about it, but I would say useful. What do you think? Yeah, useful. I think it's cool just to hear, you know, with, in a day of three-point bombs and free throws to see who's actually getting in the pain and getting the baskets the hard way. And especially when it's a guy – I thought I thought DeRozan for sure. Um but yeah, and, and Giannis, but Giannis shoots a shitload of free throws. So, um, and then Bam was the other interesting one. I didn't realize he was in there as well. So, well, he doesn't shoot many threes. All the, all three of these guys aren't. I mean, SGA probably. What's crazy is SGA probably shoots the most threes out of these three guys anyway. Dude, so. I would think he'd be <laughs> jacking up threes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. So. That's a good one. All right, we'll just go through the stat leaders. Uh, this isn't useful or useless. It's just, just check out what's trending in the NBA. Points per game right now. Embiid, 33.8. Doncic, 33. Giannis 31.7, Tatum 31.1, and SGA 30.9. Think that holds? You think Embiid's got it locked up? Uh, it'll be tough. I would think he would. I think that they, if I had to guess, they would without ticket insurance, they would. I think Luke is going to sit more than he will in the second <laughs> half of the season. You know, like just yeah. resting. Now, did you see? It this shouldn't one? affect his PPG though. Shouldn't affect his PPG. Well, averages. I'll tell you what. The other day it did. Because he only played like three oh, minutes got hurt. in that Phoenix game, Yes, right? so he'd and be leading probably, right? Yeah, yeah they yeah, said yeah, it yeah. cost him. He mm. went from, I think he went, if I'm not mistaken, he went 33-8 uh, 
to 33, which that's what Embiid is right yeah, now. Makes sense. Weird stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would think that Embiid yep. would play. You know, it's funny. Um, Shaq and David Robertson were going back in the 90s. They were going for the scoring. Yes, I remember this. And then yep. like, like Shaq hated David Robinson for one reason or another. And David Robinson went for 72. Uh, on the Clippers, last right? day of the, yeah, last day of the season. 72. Uh, never they were like they that. were like super force feeding and they're like super yes. like yeah I remember that yeah yeah Shaq was pissed yeah a little tacky but that's just my <laughs> that's my points per game story but go ahead what else yeah. have we got uh, rebounds per game quite shocking Sabonis leading the league with twelve point three I mean story for you kids what is he six nine maybe on a good yeah day? and short arms too did not doesn't have yeah. long arms he's 12. not twelve point three rebounds kitties so you know Giannis number two absolute freak of a body but Sabonis dominating space takes up space just has a knack for the ball twelve point three Sabonis Giannis twelve point eight Rudy eleven point seven he's that kind of injury riddled year Stephen Adams eleven point five and Vucevic Adams is impressive because he doesn't play that much minutes to have eleven point five rebounds um, probably in twenty odd minutes I'd reckon Vucevic eleven point one assists per game. Tyrese Halliburton, 10.2, the only double-digit player in the NBA with assists. Trey Young, 9.9. Jokic, 9.9. Doncic, 8.4. Ja Morant, 8.2. Blocks per game. Now, Triple Jaron Jackson Jr. is not on the official list. I assume it's games played. He's only played 33 games, so it hurts him a little bit, but I'm, I'm not sure why. He, surely he's close to 80%. How many games have we played? 50? Um, but anyway, he's at, he's at 3.1 blocks a game, but he's not in the top five, so I assume he's under the threshold for games played. Uh, Nick Claxton's leading the league. Technically, 2.7. Brooke Lopez, 2.5. Miles Turner, 2.4. Walker Kessler, 2.0. And Mitchell Robinson, 1.8. Yeah, ja- um, Jackson's at 67% of his games. Um, so you got to get to 70, I think, to be eligible. So he's right there. Yeah, So right he'll, there. he'll be there at the end of the season mm-hmm. unless he gets hurt. Because right, he's, he's, I think he's up there in steals as well, actually. Uh, uh, steals. He's only yeah, on one, one, one a game. Yeah, yeah. No, no, nothing. Yep, no, nothing, nothing bigger. Jimmy Butler, 2.1. Steals. Uh, Anunubi. 2.1 uh, tied with Jimmy Butler. Melton, 1.9. That was, remember, DeAndre, DeAnthony Melton, that was our, our Harrell boss player that he liked for the future. So he's top five million steals. Tyrese Halliburton, 1.8. Caruso, 1.7. Field goal percentage. Nick Claxton shooting just under 75%, albeit it's all dunks and rebounds, but still impressive. Mason Plumley having a great year by the way had a great month of uh, january he's changed his shot to a left hand he hit a he hit a dagger yes. left hand jumper last game which was impressive 68% just under 68% rudy just under 68% brandon clark 67% capella 65% so generally all the bigs are just putting it in three pointers made the most in the league buddy healed he's made the most in the league anthony simons number 2 curry 3 beasley and tatum kind of interesting to see healed number 1 by a long shot he's 197 makes um, but the injuries have obviously hurt for a few of those players for um, for total made. Three-point percentage, Damian Lee, 47%. Luke Kennard, number two, 40, uh, 47.2. KCB, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, 46%. Alec Burks, 45 Brogdon, 44 There was a time where Boston led that whole list, so they've <laughs> therefore fell back to reality a little bit. Yes, um, um, fantasy points per game. I don't live in fantasy, so I'm not even going to read those out, so you don't get those people. But they are the stats right now, Pro. What do you have for us this week? Well, to fake news. I'm just going to go all-star stuff because we haven't really talked about all-star selection or whatever. Thank God. So we'll just keep it here. Um, <laughs> Tyrese Halliburton, it will make the NBA all-star. Now, remember that our boy, what's his name? Um, Zerbiak. 
had the oh, killed him, words for him, killed him about fake ass all star or something like that. I'd probably never say that, although I probably would say some bullshit like that, just fucking around on the show, laughing but, as a joke. Well, as a joke, mm. yeah, he took it a little bit serious with that. I, um, does Tyrese Halliburton make the? He will make the All Star game. Fact or fake news? A fake news. Their record's not good enough. Um, you look at Boston; they're going to get Brown and Tatum in. You look at Philly; they're going to have Harden in. Milwaukee's probably going to get Drew Holiday in. Um, the Nets, KD, does he make it with injuries? Who knows? Kyrie's in, in the running. Donovan Mitchell with the Cavs. Jimmy Butler with the Heat. There's a lot of guards. Uh, Jalen Brunson with the Knicks. Trey Young. Like, there's all your guards. So, I don't, I don't see him uh, getting in based on that. Uh, I think if their record was a little better, he'd be in the mix. He's leading the league in assists, like we said. But I think he's going to be one of those debatable snubs. But their record, you know, 24 and 28. They've, they've had a horrendous month of January. Uh, if their record was you know, if it was 6th, 7th in the East, he definitely has a better case. I'm going to go fake news on that one. Okay. I say fact. I say he will make the team just because his stats are pretty good. Plus, there's so much, like, there's so much um, storyline about him making the All-Star game or not. I think the NBA will, will just sort of throw into the, you know, Maury Povich type, uh, you know, Jerry Springer type, uh, you know, fucking just media attention around it. I say they will put him in. Um, let's stay in the East that, um, our boy Julius Randle will make the NBA all-star team. Now, before we say anything, I'll just give you his numbers and how he ranks up. So, um, he right now is averaging 24.7, 10.8 rebounds, 4.0 assists. Now the 24 sevens third at his position. Rebounding is number one in this position. I'll, we'll just go overall in the league. No, we won't go position. He's 18th in the league in scoring. He's seventh in the league in rebounding. Um, assists, he's like 51. But uh, PER, he's 23rd in the league. Usage, he's 19th in the league. Three and ball is good too. This better this season, right? Three ball is 34%, which is pretty decent. It's right high around volume, the average number. Right? Yeah, yeah, high volume. He's actually 19th in the league in makes. Uh, 2.7. He's 13th in the league in attempts, 7.8. So, fact or fake news, he makes the All-Stars. I'm going fact based on they stay at around this record pre-All-Star. Um, I think they, they deserve two All-Stars. They're playing good ball right now. I think Brunson's in and I think he'll be in. Um, and I, I look at who's above them in that position. Uh, obviously, he's wrestling with Brown with the Celtics. No one on Philly in his position. Giannis, KD, um, Cavs, no. Heat, I mean, Bam. I'll probably put Randall over Bam this season. So I, I put him in um, fact. Yeah, I say fake news just because their record's not very good. Um, I would say that if they're going to have anybody, it'll be Brunson. But, I mean, I'll tell you what, though. I wouldn't be surprised if you were right because, you know, he, he has. Who do, you put, who do you put in above him then from the, the, the six above? So that's Boston, Philly, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Cleveland, and Miami. Which forwards are getting in over him? All right, hold on for a second. Just let me look at my stuff real quick. You got, but, you got Brown for sure. Are they yeah. putting him as a forward or a guard? I don't know. See, that's the thing. I don't know. Like, I got him at different positions that they might have him at. So I have no idea. Like it's, for it's me, two guards, three forwards, right? And then yeah. centers count as forwards? Uh, yeah, I think it's, I think like post play, like. Like perimeter and post, basically, I think that they put him in as. I, I I might be wrong on that, but I mean, if you look at the list on on the East, um, Giannis was that counter's position, or would you put Giannis as a three? No, Giannis counts. Yeah, Giannis is in. Yeah, position. so like for a forward, I would put Giannis, Tatum, Durant if he if he's if he's healthy enough to play. Well, Tatum's a guard, surely, right? 
Oh, I have him as a small forward. Okay. I, I would have Jalen Brown as a god and, and so is Mitchell. Uh, oh, vice versa. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Adebayo yeah, yeah. make it? Does Bam make it? That's what I'm saying. I put I put Randall in over Adebayo. I mean, just based on based on numbers. And their, their records are very similar, but Rand, Randall's too. numbers are, are way better than Adebayo's. Um, so... That, that's what I that's what I based it on. But hey, let's see, let's see how it goes. We'll see who's right. Um, you fake news that I'll fact it. Yeah, last one, Bogue. Sabonis does Sabonis make the All Star team? Fact has to make the All Star team. I think that that be that be one of the, that would be one of the biggest snubs. What's he at points wise? So he's at twelve point three rebounds. What's it's got to be at fiftieth fiftieth in scoring, first in rebounding, tenth in assists for a big guy. And I know we talk about Jokic a lot at 9.9, but 7.3 is pretty mm-hmm. good for that kid. He's a good player, man. And they're, they're, they're third in the West. They're third in the West right now. They're, they're 27 and 21. He's a big reason why. They, they probably deserve two All-Stars. De'Aaron Fox and, and him should get in. Um, yeah, he, he's got to be in there. He's having a hell of a season. We talked about a couple of weeks ago, he's handoff game. He's one of the best handoff games in, in, in the league. Plays within a system and just, you know, a testament to a guy that's not overly athletic, not overly overly big, doesn't have long arms, probably fails every NBA testing metric at the combine, and is getting you twelve point three rebounds a game and playing having a career year. So, one of those rare trades, pro. We spoke about it, but let's hit it again. That that worked out for both parties. I mean, Halliburton's balling in Indiana, and Sabonis is balling in Sac. You don't often see that. Both teams have kind of got what they wanted out of that trade, and they're both doing well. Like like if you if if Halliburton does not get hurt. Like you know, the Indian Pacers are a much different team right now because they were they were like fifth in the league. That was sixth, I think. They were sixth in the East, and then he goes down, and now they're um, mm. you know what are they twenty four and twenty eight? They just lost tonight, so like they're what I don't know ninth, tenth, eleventh. I have no idea where I have them at ninth, but I I haven't had the new the newer um, the newer standings. But like, I mean, if he doesn't get hurt, they're still in the top six. They're a better team than Miami Heat. In my opinion, like when they're all healthy, and I think they're very comparable. Heat probably might edge them out actually, but like the Pacers were playing great, and they were knocking teams off, and um, without Halliburton, and that 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 says a lot about him. And then and then Sacramento, like they're the bottom dwellers, and now here's a guy who's one of the you know the probably the best player on Sacramento right now, and they were what are they third in the in the in the West right now, folks. Yep, third in the West. Yeah, yeah. Doing really well. So third in the West, and, and they've lost I mean, two straight. They've, they've lost two in a row. So, and they're still in third. So they're, they're playing really good ball, and they're one and a half games clear of the Clippers in fourth. So, they're playing good basketball, man. They're they're you know they're they're, they're together seven and three in the last ten, and like I said, Fox and Sabonis should be you know shoe ins for that All Star game, and I think Sabonis, like I said, is really good to see a guy that's not doesn't have all this fanfare, just under the radar, putting up great numbers and turning around a franchise that UI and everyone else. That not only since this podcast okay. around the world has, has a franchise that has been laughed at for two decades, you know, so um, it's good to see them back in it. But uh, we'll watch that space, bro. Thank you. Um, another big week in basketball. Things starting to heat up. All-Star weekend coming up, NBA finals, and then rolling into the NBA finals as well. So make sure you let everyone know about this podcast. We can keep it going. Some good things coming in the future as well with this. Some announcements we'll make down the line, uh, which are pretty exciting. And we'll see you all next week, bro. All right, folks. Have a good week. We'll see you guys next week. Okay. Let's get rogue.